that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome to Buckeye Talk. It's a Thursday here with Cleveland.com. I'm Nathan Baird here with Doug Lee Maurice, Stephen Means. Really newsy day of Ohio State institutional athletic stuff that I don't think any of you probably want to hear about, which is good because we actually have football to talk about in a, a really meaningful way, I think. Yesterday we met with, by Zoom, I should say, uh, Kerry Combs, Seven Banks, Marcus Williamson. So defensive coordinator and a couple cornerbacks. And I feel like, with, with all respect to Ryan Day, when you get to talk to like the assistants and the position coaches and the actual players, that's when it really starts to feel like nitty-gritty football. Because in a lot of ways, we haven't had access to those guys in a long time. We'll get Ryan Day every few weeks, it seems like, or he's doing national things. We see him. Like Kerry Combs, we hadn't talked to in months or whatever. And like certainly players we hadn't talked to in a long time. I don't know if anybody, maybe on the face of the planet – no, that's kidding. But none of the reporters have talked to Marcus Williamson in I don't know – if ever since he got to Ohio State, maybe. So just things like that. I thought yesterday was really kind of rejuvenating to get to talk to those guys yesterday. Kerry Combs is a good signal to the return of Ohio State football. Like, it's like, is it real until you talk to Kerry Combs? It's like, ah, oh, that felt right. So it's great. And I mean, I know that that's what a lot of our listeners right now, listen, I got, I got a whole thing holstered about how head coaches in college football make too much money, but I've already heard, because we were texting about that, Nathan, on Wednesday, there's, you know, Ohio State announced some of these budget cuts. Some people in the athletic department lost their jobs um, on Wednesday. People probably that the average fan that we don't even know who, you know, we don't know as reporters who they are. Fans don't know who they are, but obviously uh, our thoughts out to those people. Um, but that's like the kind of stuff we've been talking about for months the virus and the money and what the virus means for the money. So yeah, you guys can go read cleveland.com for, you know, Nathan and I have a story up. We put up Wednesday night about coronavirus testing. I happened to finally get a chance to talk to Christina Johnson, the Ohio state president. I had a 20 minute one-on-one -on -one zoom interview with her on Wednesday uh, and got some different information that I'll work into several different stories. So yeah, there's coronavirus testing stories you can read. There's budget stories you can read. But I think on this podcast, we're going to talk about Kerry Combs and Seven Banks because that felt real. Did that feel rejuvenating to you, Stephen? Like, I just felt like I came out of that last night and we're doing interviews now in the evenings. So it's, it's like whatever time it was, 730 when we got off that call after we'd already been working that day. And I still felt like, oh, man, I got like some juice. I'm like, we're talking football. Well, yeah, I was happy that we got to ask guys about you know, where they're at on the field, you know, ask Kerry Combs about, you know, schemes and different we got to talk about the thing that we do for a living that's covered football so we got to talk to talk to football players and talk to football coaches about football and we haven't been able to do that for so long so it just felt refreshing in a world for what we've been dealing with the last two months it just felt refreshing to be able to do that as Marcus Williamson put it was rejuvenating to get to do that you know I, I felt like I came out of that call just that one call with like a 13 percent better idea of what Ohio State's defense will probably look like in 2020 at least and it's very early there's still a long way to go and we mostly only talked about the cornerbacks with Kerry Combs we got a little bit of a Haskell Garrett update he got some other things that were thrown in there but mostly he was just talking about cornerbacks and just that alone I thought gave me some new impressions of like where guys sit or what they might be looking at or how they're going to approach some things I just I felt smarter about Ohio State football after just just that one interview I mean, it doesn't take much for us to feel smarter about Ohio State football. But, I mean, it's fun to guess, right? It's fun to be, have slightly educated guesses, which is what we've been doing since April. 
but it's better to have more educated guesses. So yes. Well, let's talk about these cornerbacks because we got to talk to a couple of them in person. We didn't, we weren't able to talk to Sean Wade. We were supposed to talk to Sean Wade. Um, he was back at practice day. He wasn't at practice yesterday, which was because he hadn't gotten back the results of, I guess, the, his re-entry COVID-19 test. I did not get the impression that it was based on any kind of symptoms or anything. Just like him returning to the population needed to have this test. He got it done. He got it taken with the rest of the student population. It just takes a while for it to come back is what I was told. But the pra- what they sent out today showed him at practice day. I, I confirmed to make sure that it actually was him at practice. It wasn't an old photo that they were just tweeting out for, for fun or whatever. So I think that's actually maybe the first bit of news is just getting him back in the fold and getting him back on the field. I don't know that they've, they haven't announced yet that he's clear of whatever NCAA uh, uh, I's and need to be dotted and T's and need to be crossed, but they all seem very confident that that's going to happen. Kerry Combs even said that's not going to be an issue. Um, and I think just getting him back on the field and getting him around those other cornerbacks, especially these young cornerbacks, they've got three true freshman cornerbacks. I think his influence is important in that room. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I do think we can go too far sometimes with like the leadership stuff. I mean, come on. What is the number one thing that reporters love to ask about leadership, right? Isn't that, I mean, it's constant, especially like people new on the beat. It's like, what is the, it's like, I get it. I mean, old people know more than young people, but they need them on the field. Right. So, I mean, like, yes. And, and there is, a, there is a, some chunk of legitimacy to it, right. That if they're in the room and they're talking about coverages and Kerry Combs is saying this and Sean can say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And last year this, and I, that helps. He's the one guy who's really done it in that room. But, but it's about him being on the field and about yeah. they're looking for two starting cornerbacks instead of three. I mean, that's the real thing that, that just the numbers of, if you were just putting everybody new out there on the field, because Sean's not a real vocal guy anyway, right? I mean, like, he'll be more that way this year. I don't think he's a big rah-rah guy. He's a lead by example. He's a hard worker kind of guy. But it's just the, the idea of everybody's new back there, and Sean Wade's really good. I mean, it's just – it really – if he had opted out and we really were sitting here thinking, okay, well, how is this really going to shake out on the field? On the field, on the field, it, we'd just be in such a different spot. We would be having a, just a completely different podcast, I think, tonight, wouldn't we? Compl- especially, like, hugely different. Especially since you're technically already replacing him in the position that he was in last year. So you already have to do that. So to, so to actually have to replace the human being as well, that's a whole other issue that they no longer have to deal with. And that's the, to that point, yeah, it's a bigger issue that he's back on the team playing than the leadership part of it, even though he is a captain. Well, before we talk about the guy who's going to line up across from him, I want to talk about the guy who's replacing him or the guy who's probably replacing him, and that's Marcus Williamson, who is someone we got to talk to. And like I said yesterday, he's one of those guys that – and this happens at, I think, every program, but I think especially at Ohio State when you're this low to the talent, you can get pretty deep into your career and not have really had a, a chance to um, be interviewed and, like, and, and have that kind of moment, and, and not let alone actually be a guy who's now actually going to get out on the field and, and, and be in a position to, to make a difference for this team. And I thought it was interesting to listen to Kerry Combs kind of talk about, um, and Stephen, you wrote about this, kind of the, the, the difference between what you might look for in an outside corner and the difference between what you might look for in the slot and why Marcus Williamson might be the guy on this roster that they think fits that well. I mean, partially I think he's, he sounds like he's practicing well and that makes a difference, but also physically maybe he's the fit that they want at the slot. Yeah, uh, 
he's there for the Rondell Moores of the world. You know, Rondell, I know Porter is not on the schedule, but the idea of what Rondell Moore is, and that's a, a little guy in the slot. Ohio State went and got out, got their own little guy in the slot and Mookie Cooper. So, my, for, for example, Rondell Moore is 5'9", 175 pounds. Well, Marcus Williamson is 5'9", 180 pounds. And so he physically he just matches up with that position a little bit better, especially with Kerry Combs, who, who looks for in his corners long Guys who are six foot, six foot one, 195 pounds with long arms. That's the type of guy he wants outside to have a guy who physically maybe just matches up with those little slot guys better is what, you know, which is interesting because last year that's not what they went for. They went with Sean Wade, who fits the outside corner physically more. I, think I mean, if you're, we just got to be honest about it, right? I mean, Marcus Williamson is shorter, so he's the perfect slot corner. Last year, Sean Wade is not short, and he was the perfect slot yeah. corner. So if they had three six-one guys who they, all, who they thought were all first-round picks, I think, I think they'd do that. As it happens, I mean, I, I, I asked Kerry about that. I just thought it was interesting that's like, that he did. Marcus Williamson's one of these guys that he recruited. So why did you recruit Marcus Williamson if he doesn't exactly fit your perfect mold? And Marcus Williamson's a local, local kid, you know, Westerville kid, Columbus suburbs kid, went to IMG then, but they were on him because, you know, he was from around here. If he doesn't fit the body type that you're off, often looking for, like, why did you recruit him? Right? Like, why? I mean, mm-hmm. Kerry can recruit anybody. Why is he here? Um, and I thought Kerry, Kerry at the start of that answer was kind of like, well, he's like a, he's a hardworking kid. He's a smart kid. I mean, sometimes you recruit the local high school because you got to keep good local relationships. And, you know, Jalen Gill was coming out of Westerville South a couple years later. It's just a good place to keep recruiting. And again, Marcus went to IMG his senior year. But, uh, um, but there's got to be more than that in there. So I think it's, you know, I don't know. And they didn't, they didn't like have this position really when Kerry was recruiting him. So to be honest, like completely fair, I don't think Kerry Combs looked at Marcus Williamson in high school and said, perfect slot corner. But I understand why he might look at him now and say, best slot corner option that we have, which again is not the, the thing that's interesting is I don't know that's where any of us were going into spring football. I was that's actually, the difference. Yeah, we, we thought actually, it maybe it Cam Brown, who actually is the, the longer six foot one, 175 pound corner, we thought he would be the slot guy coming into this. So yeah, when think, Marcus Williamson didn't name him, he named, I think, Ronnie Hickman and Cameron Martinez as some of the guys who are also rotating there. I mean, that's what we need to get into this, but, like, yeah. It, I mean, it felt like that this is, this is a big – we got a big hint about the depth chart and how mm-hmm. these corners are shaken out. I, I thought it was interesting, kind of what you both are saying, that back in the spring we were thinking about, okay, well, those are going to be the top three corners, right? So they'll start two on the outside and one in the slot. And I'm thinking, like, maybe the natural progression of what you're talking about, Doug, is that Kerry Combs now still wants to be able to put as many of those guys rotating whatever, put as many of those what he thinks of prototypical Ohio State corners on the outside as possible. He really wanted someone else whether it's Marcus Williamson, whether it's Tyreek Johnson, whether it's somebody to step up and announce themselves, take that slot spot so he could do what he ultimately wants to do on the outside. That was kind of the impression I got last night too. And it'll be interesting. I mean, it's hard. People need to understand this. How long did we get carry on that Zoom call? Like 13 minutes, minutes or something, yeah. 11 minutes? Yeah. Not and that's long. not a criticism. And, and, and Jerry Emig, the SID, has been very open with us about like that was the first time we did it. Jerry was on one computer screen. The coach or player was on another computer screen. We were all on Zooms. 
they're coming off the practice field. Usually when we're there live, you have multiple interviews kind of overlapping. Now you have to go one at a time. You can't have people lined up and waiting for 50 minutes for their turn. So we get it, but it's just, you don't get quite as much time as you would like. And so we didn't go hard, hardcore on the depth chart at corner with Carrie. Like we didn't say, well, well, then who are the outside corners? Who's first team? Who's second? You know, like we just get, didn't get a chance to do that. But my guess then, sort of what you're saying, Nathan, is if it really feels like, and there's more to talk about in the slot, but maybe it's Sean is one outside corner. Seven and Cam are splitting, rotating, maybe the other outside corner, and then Marcus is in the slot. Maybe that's it. Because I don't know that it would be a three-man rotation. Again, are you going to have times where you have seven banks and Cam Brown on the field and Sean Wade off the field? That would surprise me a little bit. But if Seven and Cam wind up sort of sharing a spot, that would not surprise me the way it feels at the moment. I think if that does happen, what you're talking about with that three-man rotation, I think it's, it's probably great news for Ohio State because I think they're only going to do that if they really see something in those other two guys. I think they're better. I think they're much more likely that it's Sean Wade has a spot to himself, especially now that it's a shorter season and he came back now twice for this. Like, why would you not let him? go out there and, and showcase as long as you think you're, you're putting him in a good position to, to perform, like let him have that side. And then those other two guys working on the other side, that's definitely the impression I got. I did want to talk about more about the slot depth though, because uh, you know, him saying Ronnie Hickman didn't surprise me. That seems like if you're looking at that roster, that seems like a, a place where he would maybe fit a guy who has some, maybe even some safety ish tendencies and you could put him in there as a guy who'd come up and stop the run, whatever. I thought the interesting name though was, was Cameron Martinez in the long run, because that was a guy who was recently as, you know, even going into signing day last year, there was some question as to, we had to ask, like, well, is he going to play defense or offense, right? Like, which side is he going to stay at permanently? They're starting him on defense. We, we had theorized about where he might fit on either side of the ball. When they say he, he would be in the slot corner spot, that makes a lot of sense to me in a lot of ways. Just his athleticism um, and, and his size, the way he could fit there, I, I, it's just it was intriguing as soon as he said it. Like, oh, one of those times where, where sometimes a coach will say something about the depth chart that maybe you hadn't really, like, known it for sure and then when they say it you're like oh yeah that, that kind of seems obvious almost that's exactly what i thought it was like yeah. a ding 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 like a aha moment i think i think you're exactly right nathan which to the i, I mean carrie Combs said it the first time we got a chance to talk to him back in the spring he was gonna fight hard to keep him in his room and that's probably why because he probably fits that you know that role perfectly obviously not as a true freshman but going forward down the line especially in a world where you know nickel is your base basically he probably he fits that best He's talking a lot also, Kerry Combs talking a lot also about the other true freshmen and about how this is a year where he thinks that they're going to have to ask some of these younger guys to play more. Now, I don't know if that actually comes to fruition, but I thought he talked about it a lot, like multiple answers that he gave in, a, in what, again, relatively short amount of time about how they're going to really need their depth. They're going to really need younger guys to play. So um, I thought that was a little bit interesting, too, that in a year where we've kind of theorized that maybe some of the younger guys are not going to be as ready as they need to be for a season just because they didn't get a full spring or a full uh, extra semester like they're supposed to and their offseason was all screwed up and they're doing it for the first time, that Ohio State, even because of that, and I guess every team's going to be in that boat, but the Ohio State might be counting on them as much or more than they usually do. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think some of that is, is coach talk, keep mm -hmm. everybody involved early on, give everybody uh, a carrot, right, to chase. Um, but uh, but, but I, I think another part of it is a reminder. But I think you have to have more carrots ready than ever. And by the way, I just want to say, 
we have the guinea pigs in the corner of the living room, which is a mistake. And when we go to the fridge, my wife, a couple times a week, will chop up some carrots and we have carrots in the fridge. And it's a nice little snack to go get some mini carrot sticks. When the guinea pigs see anyone go near the fridge, they start chirping because they want carrots. And so the idea now, I, I shouldn't use that carrot analogy because my whole life is being yelled at by guinea pigs because they want everyone in our family to bring them carrots constantly. So we started off, I, I, there was a time during the pandemic, we got the guinea pigs as a pandemic offering to my children. We're sorry, your life is all blown apart. Have a guinea pig. And I had people tell me this at the time, don't do it. Don't. I said, I, I mean, I, they've been here like two months and I'm waiting for them to die. And they're going to live for like six years. And I'm just thinking like, like, wow, won't it be nice when these guinea pigs are dead? Not that I'm going to kill them, but just what is their life cycle? Because am I just going to be an old man standing in a kitchen trying to eat a carrot getting yelled at by guinea pigs while my children are out of the house? I was going to say, yes. like both of your, you your daughters will be the, gone by then. Why don't you yeah, just right? take them away from the refrigerator because then they don't know you're getting food. But our, we have an open floor plan. They're not near the refrigerator. Oh, they they're just the, see it. Okay. They're in the living room on the other end of our rather small house, and they can see the kitchen constantly. So, or the, they hear the door open. So they just spend all day looking at the fridge, and when somebody walks over there, it's like it's our time. I mean, the true error was getting oh. a, a pet that's going to outlive your kid's tenure in the house. They're going to both be off at college or whatever, and you're going to have to be the one that's – looking after these guinea pigs they should, have, they should have sold pets that their lifespan was as soon as the coronavirus vaccine becomes available the <laughs> pet dies that's at the very least the it's very like least when, day. that's how you know the vaccine is real when your pet dies yeah like at the very least like the day that you get the acceptance letter to your safety school like it changes color or something. Like you know, it's entered the final stage, yeah. and then it's just a matter of where you go off to school. And then, like the Safety day school. that you pack the last um, duffel bag or the mini fridge or whatever, then it just like falls over on its yeah. back, and you're done. Need a vaccine for that. So anyway, but I think the carrots matter even more in a world where you have to expect that you may not have some guys because of positive coronavirus tests. Though, so, I mean, they love to talk about next man up. I mean, we're going to hear next man up so many times this year. It's going to be unbelievable. But you've got to keep those young guys on the hook even more because you must have an expectation that you're going to lose some starters or second teamers more than usual because of where we are right now. We are going to take a break right there. We are going to come back and talk about the rest of this defense. Stay with us on Buckeye Talk. All right, we're back on Buckeye Talk. Uh, one other piece of news that Kerry Combs gave us was just kind of an update on Haskell Garrett. It wasn't huge news, but just and we talked about it on the pod earlier this week um, that we didn't know really what his status was going to be for this season. And I don't know. I, I cut that out. Oh, you cut out the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, well, I cut out the whole thing. It, it came up just as we were talking about. Uh, we had, had a question about whether we got more depth, uh, whether we were more concerned about the depth on the D line at running back or at corner. And Steven and I both had similar answers. We thought corner was the answer for the postseason, but then for the regular season, he said running backs and I said D line. And one of the reasons why I said D line was because I just didn't know yet what the actual status was for Haskell Garrett. So Kerry Combs gave kind of like a cryptically optimistic answer where he said like, 
Well, when it first happened, I thought he was just done. Like that was going to be the end of his career. And then now, it, you know, when we, we saw there's a GoFundMe that's going around with him and it kind of detailed some of the stuff he's had. Like he had like tongue and tooth damage. Like a, a lot of stuff happens when you get shot in the mouth. Like it's, it's obviously a pretty serious thing. So I still, we still don't know exactly what his status is for helping this team this fall. And I think that is still a question for this defense. It's like, especially if he can't play, because I would assume right now, if he can't play at all, what does it mean for the interior of this defense? Not much. I, I don't mean to be dismissive and, and best of luck to Haskell Garrett and his recovery. He's fine, right? I mean, he's been fine. I don't, I don't know that he's a huge difference maker. I mean, I guess he was probably going to start, but it's like. But who yeah. else? I mean, that, that's the thing. And, I just feel like it's a, it's, a, it's a position where the depth gets questionable really fast. Yeah, especially when you think about, I mean, last year that was where the depth was on the defensive line, and now you've just lost another guy within that depth. I mean, not even just relative to the last year. It's like, you know, right now you've got, you've got Tommy Togiai. You know that he's this mountain of a man, and he's positioned to be um, a, a starter there too. And you've got Teron Vincent, you're pretty excited about, I think, getting to finally show things. But also coming off an injury, um, I don't, we assume that he's full strength and ready to go for the start of the season, but I don't, we don't know that 100% yet. So, and then after that, I, I think you're starting. you got Antoine uh, Jackson, but, like, who else do you have that you're, like, super confident in being a, an interior defensive line contributor? So in the world of, you know, Kerry Combs saying some of those freshmen might need to be ready, I think Darion Henry and Jacoby Cohen, they came in as defensive tackles and they said they were going to play D in. I think they might get moved back there just for the sake of depth and having somebody, even if they are true freshmen, it's just having, you know, depth in that position. I wouldn't be surprised if they get moved back inside, at least for this year. There's stuff that could happen. I mean, Tyler Friday could magically become a defensive tackle. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, that, is I'm one, not, that is actually a thing to consider. Like, do you take a D end and make him your depth at three technique? I mean, they made Jalen Holmes a defensive tackle in a week, a couple of years yeah. ago when they had some injuries. So, um, but that's I'm still not, a thing to be answered. It's still like something we're very uncertain of at this point. It's one of those things. I, how do I express this? I'm not trying to be dismissive of any single player, but I think at a place like Ohio state, you know, you go through and there's like four, six, eight, ten guys a year who are like, if they lose that guy, yikes. And then even like even the rest of the starters, probably about half the starters, it's like, boy, what would happen if that guy wasn't here? And it would be like the guy behind him would be just as good. And I just think Haskell Garrett falls more in that category. And that's not an affront to Haskell Garrett to say he's not Sean Wade. He's not Justin Fields. He's not Garrett Wilson. You know, I mean, it's just like, you know, what if they lost, you know, Baron Browning? It's like, I don't know, Kayvon Pope would play more? Like, it's just, I mean, that's just the reality here. So I guess the question is, again, I'm not being dismissive, but is having Haskell Garrett or not having Haskell Garrett the difference between making the playoff and not making the playoff? I don't think it is. I don't think it's about making the playoff. It's just one of those positions where I wonder about winning playoff games if that becomes a difference maker. Yeah, I mean, like Antoine Jackson. When Antoine Jackson got here, man, people were bonkers. That was huge. That guy was a major recruit at Auburn, and they almost got him then. He went to junior college, then he got here, and he, like, has, you know, he's just been a guy here. But if you needed him more, I mean, I think he'd probably be pretty solid, I think, right? So I just – it's not an – I think it has almost no effect. I, now, the idea, yes, they aren't super deep there at first blush, but this is one of those I, I wish we could get to practice when they get pads on and that kind of thing. 
because I would love to see who the first team defensive mm-hmm. tackles and who the second team defensive tackles are. And I would imagine one of those first four guys would make us go, oh, whether it's a position switch from end, whether it's, dare, you know, as you said, um, uh, Jacoby Cowan or Darian Henry Young is like with the twos. And it's like, holy moly. And it's like, well, that guy's a big time recruit. It's not completely shocking. I just think something like that will happen and they'll kind of fill the spot if they need to. Although, as we said, it sounds like, I mean, Kerry Combs made it sound like maybe Haskell Garrett will, will maybe play football this year. Yeah, I, I think you might be right in the long term that it might end up, end up being kind of a, a non-issue. I just think there's a difference between, like, the, the example you gave when you say, well, who steps up for Baron Browning? It feels like there's someone more we know that is probably more ready to step up than there is maybe at the defensive line. But I think that could we'll, – we'll find out. It's just one of the more the bigger questions still as opposed to the questions you don't have at linebacker, the questions you don't have at end. Um, we didn't talk about safety yesterday with Kerry Combs. And I wish we had, if I had had another question, that's probably what I would have asked is just that competition as we see it between uh, Josh Proctor and, and Marcus Hooker. And, but he did talk a little bit about wanting to change up or believing that a team should change up its looks a little bit, whether that's the, the scheme it's putting out there or that maybe even sometimes the personnel within that scheme, just, I guess, what did you guys take away from the way he was talking about? Cause he was specifically being asked about, cause it's been one of the things that's been hanging out there. Like, are you sticking with single high safety or are you going to it back to two safety? And is it both? Like, how do you think that's going to look this year? Yeah. As we've kind of talked about already, I mean, he wants multiple, but it's going to depend on who they're playing. If they're playing Wisconsin, there's going to be four linebackers on the field. If when they get, if they get into the playoff and they're playing Clemson or Alabama, you probably will see a couple of two safety looks, but I think for the bulk of the season, it's going to be the base of, you know, the three linebackers, four defensive lines and three corners and a safety just because there's not necessarily a passing threat Unless Joe Milton, I mean, is just this amazing quarterback that some people are talking about him to be, there's not this amazing passing attack in the Big Ten to where you need to stray far from that, at least for the regular season. So he went down a very interesting road, I thought, because we're all used to the fact that you have your base defense, you have your nickel, you go to dime sometimes, nickel is your base a lot, right? I mean, if I had a ska band right now, I think I would call it nickel is the base. Um he made B-A-S-S. a point, though. Yeah, yeah, nickel is the base. <laughs> I do think uh, he, he made this point. So in the NFL now, it's not like the NFL anymore is, well, you have on, you know, you have two receivers, a tight end, a fullback, and a running back, a tailback, like on first and second down, and on third and long, you might go three wide. That's not what it is anymore, right? from down to down based not on down and distance, but just based on we like to have different personnel groupings. We like to keep the defense guessing. We have multiple guys we want to play. So you don't know, are you going to have two tight ends in the game? Are you going to have three receivers? Are you going to have an H back? Are you going to have three tight ends in the game? And some of it is determined by down and distance, but some of it is just determined by we offer different looks. That was the point that Kerry Combs made that he was making the point offenses do that regularly right now, that nobody goes crazy when you go from three receivers to two tight ends and two, you know what I mean? Like it's just normal. Mm -hmm. You go to empty. Hey, nobody goes crazy when like the back motions out and you're an empty with five wide. That's just normal. That's what he's saying. Defense is going to get to. So that to me is interesting of like, Maybe on first down, you have three corners and a safety. And then maybe on second and five, you have 
two corners and two safeties just because you do. Not because you're yeah. beholden to down and distance or not because you're so beholden to a matchup or maybe because you are beholden to a matchup. So when they're three wide, you have three corners. And if they take the receiver off the field, you immediately go two corners and two safeties. But sometimes, you know, and if you have your safety in there and you're playing Proctor and Hooker together and you got to look and you have to bring one of those safeties down to cover in the slot on a play, you're fine with that, right? But that, I think, is what he was going for. That we, we might just offer different personnel looks normally, just like offenses do. And that would be interesting. That would be very interesting, I think. Uh, it's something that would be kind of refreshing to me. Like, I, I, this is a, a bad analogy. Well, it's not somewhat. It's somewhat bad analogy. I used to cover a basketball program where the coach was, like, adamant, man-to-man all the time. You never play anything but man-to-man. And I was always like, well, why wouldn't you at least throw zone in there in some blowouts to prove to other teams that they need to plan for you to play zone and I kind of feel the same way about this it's like you've got your base defense you know what you're great at but I think the part of it is just kind of the gamesmanship to me of like throwing some other looks in there to, to give teams other things to prepare for but I also just like the versatility of it too and I think this is where some of the more versatile players on defense that they're trying to recruit come in a little bit too like you know teams have started to try to find their you know their court Williams, their uh, the guys that Ohio State is recruiting now at linebacker. Find those guys who can be like more hybrid positions, and they can help you do what Kerry Combs is talking about a little bit. Yeah, I think to, since you brought up Isaiah Simmons, the Clemson thing, in a lot of games, Brent Venables is the aggressor as a defensive coordinator over the, the offense he's playing. And I think last year in the Ohio State game, he kind of went on a defense, with, especially in that first half, and Ryan Day became the aggressor. And I think, you know, Kerry Combs is looking to do the same thing. He wants to make the defense the aggressor the same way that Ryan Day has made the offense the aggressor in the situation. And so if he's making the offensive coordinator think that much more of a second or making a quarterback think one extra second before he throws the ball, so, I mean, yeah, that, that's par- probably part of it why you want to throw multiple different looks into a game. And, and we're not going to – I mean, the defense has to match what the offense yeah. does. If the offense has th- three tight ends in the game, you can't have three corners in the game, right? I mean, so we get that. But – Last year, you just expected on basically any normal down to, three, to see three corners and a single high safety, right? That's what you expected to see. And basically every year in recent history before last year, when you looked out, you expected to see two deep safeties, right? And then maybe mm-hmm. there were three corners, but, whatever, but you expected to see two deep safeties. And just maybe in 2020, when you look out, you can't have an expectation because you don't know which one it's going to be. Maybe it'll just be that. I mean, I look forward to that as someone who has to watch all these games just to kind of just something else to kind of keep us guessing, something else to analyze. I would think for fans, it would be more fun too, a little bit to be like, um, as long as it works, right? (laughs) Because the first time it doesn't. Well, we can still talk about it if it doesn't work. We'll just talk about how it No, I'm just work. saying as a fan, like, you, you're yeah. not, you don't, you, you, if it works, it was great. And if not, it was somebody being cute and they shouldn't have done it. And, and even again, when Deontay Lee was on talking about this a couple months ago, he was saying how a lot of teams are going to a three safety look and that Ohio State played that one safety look more than anybody in the country last year. So that may be, I mean, you get a three safety look, right? Then it's like that, that, and again, that's probably what the bullet kind of would be. It's like, well, is it a safety? Mm-hmm. Is it a linebacker? Well, he can cover, well, he can blitz, well, he can stop the run. And, and maybe Ohio State would get toward that because it's so common in college football now. But I would say, like, personnel-wise, and again, this is the discussion we had the other day on a podcast. Do you go more by personnel 
does personnel dictate the scheme or does the scheme dictate personnel? If Kerry Combs was in love with the three safety defense because other teams are playing it and he likes that, I don't think personnel-wise they're at a place to try to do something like that right now. Again, unless all of a sudden you're you're turning Cam Brown into a safety or something, right? But that's just not where they are. Um, but I do think, again, personnel-wise, if you are going back and forth, if they take Marcus Williamson off the field because they're putting Marcus Hooker on the field, nobody's going to be like, how dare you do that? You can't yeah. take Marcus Williamson off the field. Or, you know what I mean? Or vice versa. Right. How dare you take Marcus Hooker off and put Marcus Williamson on? The personnel might be pretty equal in a way that allows you to be flexible. Yeah, last year there were clearly three corners that you just couldn't take off the field. You had three first-round corners. So you stuck with that regardless of anything else you may have had cooking up in practice. This year there's only one guy who is – you cannot take that guy off the field. Everybody else is probably interchangeable, so you can get a little more flexible with some of these things. There is just one more guy, and we kind of we kind of got off the slot before we really talked about this guy. And and again, we I, I would like to play this game if you two are up for it, and maybe it would be a good exercise for the podcast or not. But name the eighty-five scholarship players, because again, I mean, like it's just a, it's a good refresher. I'm sure I couldn't go 85 for 85 right now. And I bet you guys couldn't either. And I think this would have been a guy that like, when you're getting down to like number 79, number 81, and you're like, who am I missing? Who am I missing? I think maybe this would be a guy on some people's lists and maybe unfairly, but Ronnie Hickman was the number 115 overall player in the class of 2019. And he was the second guy that Kerry Combs mentioned when he mentioned the slot people. It's exciting. We're all excited about the potential of Cam Martinez, and we're all intrigued by the idea of is Marcus Williamson really the leader to be a starter here? But that second guy is Ronnie Hickman. We list him as a safety. He was listed as a safety coming out of high school in New Jersey. He was the sixth highest rated player in Ohio State's 2019 class, and his name came up, right? So his name came up, and again, here you go. It's like, okay, well, you think Ronnie Hickman's a safety. He's 6'1". If he can come down in the slot and cover, then it's like, well, it doesn't, does it matter what you call it if Ronnie Hickman is a little bit of both and he's on the field? So it's just another guy to keep in mind that we haven't said his name much since he got here, and he's, he's in the mix at the moment. If I'm not mistaken, he was injured last year. I mean, also being a true freshman, but I'm pretty sure he had surgery at some point last year. He was on the injury report consistently last season, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's a, I mean, that he's practically a top hundred national recruit, right? Yeah. So it's like, Oh, what are they going to do? You know? Oh, this guy says, Oh, I don't know. Maybe plug in a top hundred national recruit on the two deeps. Like, oh, okay, they're fine. But I think that's, that, that is the interesting thing. Like we, we've been talking all along. Like if, if Kerry Combs was really going to rotate, if he wanted to rotate, even if it was just beyond Sean Wade, they were going to have to find, it wasn't just about their top three corners. You got to start finding five, six corners to pull that off. And if they really think that those guys are stepping up and doing that, I, that, that tells us a lot about that defense or what, what the defense could potentially be with Kerry Combs, because then he gets to start. I think that's what he ultimately wants. He, he really, he wants to be able to swap those guys around, whether it's to keep everybody fresh, mm -hmm. whether it's just to spread the opportunity around and keep everybody interested and engaged, kind of a, similar to what Doug was talking about, about just kind of the early coach talk in the early spring. But this way you are spreading it around during the season and, and keeping everybody involved in a different way. I just, if, if they can find those, I don't think anyone, I, I was, even as someone who's been kind of vocalizing some doubts about the defense, it's not necessarily been that I don't think it will happen. It's like somebody's got to show me that it is happening. And the, those little hints are telling you that maybe it is. I mean, it's just funny. It's one of the, I mean, again, it, 
not to rub it in. I mean, it's obvious, but Ronnie Hickman's from New Jersey. If he had stayed home and gone to Rutgers, he, people would be talking about, hey, there's this second-year guy at Rutgers that everybody's talking about. I just, I mean, for real. Yeah. And here it's like, oh, that guy? Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. He's only the number 115 player in his recruiting class, right? But that's, I mean, that's the kind of depth that they have that we just haven't seen what a lot of these guys can do. I was writing a thing for the site today, and I, I think I literally wrote it. Like, how many teams in the Big Ten would love Javante Jean-Baptiste right now? But at Ohio State, it's like, oh, yeah, that, then he's like the fifth guy, right? Or even like, Tyler Friday. <laughs> or Tyler Friday. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean those guys would be starting defensive ends that don't leave the field very much for a lot of Big Ten defenses. Yeah, for sure. Again, if there are any Rutgers fans like listening to this, like, like, sorry, man, but like, I didn't mean to deal. pick another New Jersey kid. Just for the, oh, just I was to on the list of the amount of New Jersey kids who are maybe forgotten yeah. at Ohio State. I'll, that would be Cody Simon was the number seventy-five player in the country, and he's from New Jersey. Luke Whipler. I mean, I mean that's right. Yeah, Friday <laughs> and John Friday and John Baptiste from New Jersey. We've we talk about five. We've just named five Ohio State backups from New Jersey who, if they were all playing for Rutgers right now, like Rutgers would be in the top twenty-five. And that's without this, looking it up. That's the thing. <laughs> this look it up, it probably gets worse. This this whole podcast this week has just been dropping an A-bomb on New Jersey. It's just been like a <laughs> relentless day after day, one after the next. So This uh, week? Apologies. Have you been paying attention? That's well, this like week in particular. Third, it's the subhead of the podcast, almost. Before they, they were like strategic, before they were st- strategic strikes, and this is just like the – this is like the Dresden firebombing or whatever. We're just going like 24 hours of just unloading unloading our ammunition. So uh, another quick break. We're going to come back and talk about what we're going to talk about on Friday with the coaches because I'm, I'm curious what, how you guys are, are thinking about finding out about this offense. We'll be back on Buckeye Talk. Uh, quickly now to wrap up on our next interview opportunity with Ohio State will be on Friday, and we're going to get Kevin Wilson, and we're going to get um, some tight ends. And he, in addition to being a tight ends coach, Kevin Wilson, obviously, though, is the co-offensive coordinator or at least has that title. But he, he talks more broadly about the offense when we get a hold of him. So I'm just curious, you guys, wh- what do you need to know about this offense that you think we can find out Friday from Kevin Wilson? I mean, my, my number one thing is I kind of want a look into the corner, the running back room. I want to know, um, obviously, we, we know that Master Teague was back and working out. Um, we'd heard that Marcus Crowley was still a ways away. We know Trey Sermon, though, um, seemed to be doing well. I kind of want to get his impressions of how those guys are doing, but also just what what does he think running back's going to look like for Ohio State? I know we've still got another month or more before they actually put a guy on the field, um, but I want to know what he how he thinks that position will be used this year in contrast to the way it was used last year um, because they don't have a J.K. Dobbins, and as we've talked about, it doesn't seem like one of these guys is a J.K. Dobbins. So is this a new a completely new look to the backfield as far as how they want to use it does demario mccall get in there because he talked about demario mccall back in the spring he was the one who had said that oh we had this plan for him and just we couldn't take jk off the field so can you do it this year like well what or do they have a, a sense yet of what running back's going to look like i would really like to be able to talk about that like without like the mike weber jk dobbins split of two years ago coming up because i, I think it's I, completely it's different so different yeah. it's so different there's just nobody established here and so when there's nobody, it's not, again, to repeat, I think it's different. The, the issue for Ohio State two years ago was they had two guys who thought they were both established mm-hmm. and not, neither of them liked a rotation and thought they were having to constantly prove themselves. 
Now they don't have anybody who's established. And so how do they really think it's going to go? What's the ideal thing? Do they want a guy to emerge? Do they want to have two? Do they want a third down back? Can you really work three, you know, like keeping guys healthy when you have everybody coming off injury? I would just, it would be great to have a productive conversation on the possibilities of how this might work out. I just, I'm, I'm curious if we'll, if we'll be able to do it. Yeah, that's the main thing with the running backs. And the only question I have with the tight ends is last year you used four. Obviously, there was one main guy who, who got most of the snaps, but you used four guys. Luke Farrell got most of the snaps, but now with Rashad Barry gone, is Kate Stover in only you know six months of being a tight end and not really getting a full spring practice to do it? Is he going to be the fourth tight end, or are you just going to go with the three guys that you know and Luke Farrell, uh, Jake Hosman, and J Jeremy Ruckert? That's the only question I have here for the tight ends. Tight end, to be fair, is the most over – overcovered position on this team it is. because there's only four guys instead of like 17 guys on the offensive line and their coach is Kevin Wilson who loves to talk. Yeah. So it's always like, Hey, um, could, could we get Brian Hartline to answer like one question about Jamison Williams because there's so much to talk about there. Right. And then you get Kevin Wilson. And it's like, yeah, Kevin, just a real quick. I wanted to ask the eighth question about Jake Hausman. What is his favorite color of shoes? You well, know, and like, if, and it's like, oh my God, it's too much. If, if the tight ends were collectively catching like 80 balls a year, that'd be one thing, but they're catching like 30 as a room, like maybe. That's a stretch. <laughs> Can we do that this year? Who would like to track and compare constantly tight end Where, catches yeah. versus tight end questions and the race? <laughs> and it's like, ah. Well, we got six tight end questions this week and there are only two tight end catches. Um, but I do think, I mean, I think the other thing is I would like to th like throw open a question about the receivers to Kevin Wilson about young receivers, the freshman receivers, is it going to be harder for them to be ready or whatever? And just to see which veteran receivers he says first. Because we had a, a receiver conversation the other day, and I realized after the fact, like, we didn't say Cameron Babb's name one, one time, I don't think. And no. when you're talking about – Jalen Harris. I think we did talk about Jalen Harris. I think Harris's name did get mentioned, but he, we quickly moved past those guys to talk about the yeah. freshmen, and I don't know that that's what we should be doing. So, so as, we, as we keep saying, okay, if it's Olave, Wilson, and Jamison Williams as sort of guaranteed veterans who are playing, who's next? Like, who's the fourth veteran? as they fight for playing time with the freshmen and like could both Jalen Harris and Cameron Babb be legitimately in this rotation, right? Like I just, I would be, I would be curious to see what Kevin Wilson's natural answer to that question is without being led to them. Right. Because if you say, Kevin, we're it's, we're trying to figure out if the freshman would be ready to play. If, if you need to lean on your, on your veteran receivers, which of those veterans, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is there a way? And to see yeah. if he says, well, Cameron Babb and goes off on Cameron Babb. And then we do the ding, ding, ding again. I'd, I'd be very, or if he does the same with Jalen Harris, I'm very curious about that. That just seems like such a fluid room to me early in the season. Like I know that it's still a month away. I know those guys, those freshmen are talented. It just seems to me like a situation where we may be looking at the end of the year where we see like in 2019 where Garrett Wilson had a role early on, but it grew. And then by the end of the year, he seemed to be someone that they, they were more confident in and could count on more. I could see that happening with some of these freshmen, but whereas maybe early in the season, they are still leaning on someone like Harris or Bab or, or whoever. 
Yeah. I mean, and I think it matters now, but it matters because Penn State's in week two, right? So it matters yeah. pretty quick. Um, and then it really matters in December. And in the name of overthinking, what if that's the case where early on in the season, it, what the rotation, what the six-man rotation looks like outside of Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, of course, and Jamison Williams, the, the other three guys, maybe who they are against Penn State maybe isn't the same as who they are against Michigan. I mean, again, we've gone down that road. It's like, I just, it, I, that doesn't I doubt it. Yeah, I, mean, I doubt that's not, the thing, but. It's not how it works. I mean, I, I can count on probably one hand in my 15 years here of where a guy started the season in a major, in a role, in a starting role or a shared role. And then by a certain time, like that really changed based on something other than injury. Right. I mean, even when Chris yeah. Olave emerged as a freshman, it's because Austin Mack got hurt. Yeah. Or, or Chris Olave probably wouldn't have looked so great in the Michigan game. Right. I mean, that's that kind of thing. Wyatt Davis played because guys got hurt. Pat Elfline played because Marcus Hall got ejected. Like that. It's, but the idea, I mean, most of the time, again, I've told the story, there was that, that guy who started at safety one time under Tressel and like after one game, like never played again. But it's it's very rare. So I, I don't I, I don't know that it would be like, for instance, Jalen Harris is is one of the six in the rotation against Penn State, but then like Julian Fleming or G. Scott isn't, but they beat him out by week five. They they usually figure it out. Now the question is in a pandemic with limit with limited mm-hmm. reps, does that all change? But but I would guess that they would have a sense of like, no. These freshmen are coming. We'll be okay. They'll learn on the job. We got to get them ready. They, they're in the rotation. Or, nope, no, they do not have it. This guy's got it. Jalen or Cameron yeah. or somebody's got it. And I just don't know that it would change a lot between week one and week ten. Well, that was some good football talk for once here on Buckeye Talk. <laughs> We're back in it. We're back in the thick of, of talking football. And like I said, we will have more football talk uh, after we talk to the team on Friday. We actually probably won't get around to that earlier next week if there's some interesting stuff to talk about. For Friday's pod, we are going to have another retalkables. We are talking the Ohio State-Notre Dame 1995 game. I can't yeah, remember if it was a bowl a, game or not. I, I, no, I it's, a it's a regular season game. It's just a regular game. season it game. All right. It was literally the fourth game of the season. It was it was a very big deal that that Ohio State and Notre Dame finally got a, a non conference or lack of conference home and home going. Yeah, ninety five and ninety six, but we're gonna do the ninety five game. And we are gonna have the plan is to have Eric Hansen, who is a Notre Dame beat writer, who covered that game because the first two retalkables were games that I covered. I did not cover this game. Um, Eric coincidentally is from Cleveland. And so he's the plan is to have him on to have him talk about a little bit of like what it was like to actually cover this game. And then we'll go through the usual topics. But the reason this, this was our plan. Anyway, it worked out even better than normal because not only is Ohio state not playing this weekend, Notre Dame is also not playing this weekend because their game got with Wake Forest got postponed because of COVID-19 positive tests on the Notre Dame team. So we're hoping maybe we got a couple stray Notre Dame fans who are lost in the wilderness and don't have a game to actually watch live on Saturday. Maybe they'll join us for the retalkables. But if you haven't joined us on the text, it's 614-350-3315. Today was 
uh, a good day to get it. If you wanted those updates on the, the budget and everything else that was going on, we will have though uh, a lot more updates about football things. I was texting updates directly from what we were hearing from Kerry Combs and the players last night. And we were getting some good feedback from everybody that, that appreciated getting those updates uh, when they're maybe away from their computer, not paying attention to things, uh, not, not a usual work time or whatever. So um, it was our pleasure. I'm glad that you guys uh, enjoyed that. So thanks a lot for joining us. And that was Buckeye Talk. Mm-hmm.